my dad said, you should take a cross-country trip. Hmm, that's interesting. 1981, my gay American road trip. Chapter 11, Los Angeles. We had brunch at a very nice restaurant, the French Marketplace, which has a patio overlooking the parade of gay life on Santa Monica Boulevard. I was beginning to think that there were no gay hotels that really were cruising. None of the ones I stayed at up to now have been. This way out is like a hometown for me, so this is great. This Way Out, the international LGBTQ radio magazine. I'm Lucy Chappell. Brazil's top court outlaws anti-LGBTQ hate speech, Uganda and Ethiopia enforce anti-queer sex laws, and taking a gay American road trip to 1981. Those stories and more this week now that you've found This Way Out. I'm John Dyer V. And I'm Tanya Kane Perry. With News Wrap, a summary of some of the news in or affecting LGBTQ communities around the world for the week ending August 26, 2023. The purveyors of anti queer hate speech in Brazil will now face significant jail time thanks to a near unanimous ruling of the Supreme Federal Court. The law already punishes racist hate speech, with convicted offenders sentenced up to five years in prison. The same high court equated homophobia with racism in a 2019 ruling. That decision applied to slurs against the queer community in general. A queer advocacy group asked the high court to extend the law to verbal attacks against specific individuals. The 9-to-1 ruling announced on August 21st agreed. Anti-queer violence is rampant in Brazil. 225 LGBTQ, or perceived LGBTQ people, were murdered in 2022 alone, according to police reports. Many more probably went unreported. Transgender Europe called the South American nation the most dangerous place on the planet for transgender people in particular. In a country of more than 203 million people, the group counted more than 1,740 trans people killed from 2008 to 2022. The latest high court protections come just eight months after queer-supportive Luis Inácio Lula da Silva replaced the rabidly homophobic Jair Bolsonaro as Brazil's president. Germany's cabinet has greenlighted legislation to make it far easier for trans and non-binary people to change their name and gender on official government documents. They dithered over the proposed Self-Determination Act for almost a year. The current law dates back to the 1980s. It requires people who want to change their legal gender to provide formal assessments by two medical experts sufficiently familiar with the particular problems of transsexualism followed by a judge's approval. The changes proposed on August 23rd would only require the applicant to notify the registry office of their intentions three months ahead of time. Trans minors, at least 14 years of age, can also use the same process to change their legal name and gender with the approval of their parents or guardians. Trans teens whose parents disapprove can ask a court to support them. Parents or guardians of trans youth under the age of 14 can also apply for the name and gender change on behalf of their child, according to the Associated Press. 
queer German activists are praising the proposal, although some criticized the three-month waiting period. The legislation must still receive the formal approval of Parliament, and it's not yet clear when consideration will begin. Patrons enjoying a drag show at a queer-friendly bar in the Lebanese capital, Beirut, became victims of invading so-called Christians who call themselves Jnud al-Rab, or Soldiers of God. They stormed into the popular venue on August 23rd, yelling anti-queer slogans and roughing several people up. Videos of the incursion shook social media. One thug can be heard shouting, This is Satan's place, promoting homosexuality, this is forbidden, this is only the beginning. Footage also shows destroyed tables and chairs piled outside the bar. One patron described the scene for Pink News. A mixture of terror, anxiety, and an uncertainty that we would make it out alive. We were all crammed up against the wall in the back room, anticipating like sitting ducks, waiting to be exterminated, watching our friends getting physically beaten up by monsters. The assault went on for about an hour, and the violence had pretty much dissipated before security forces finally arrived, according to Amnesty International. There were reportedly no arrests. Another sign of anti-queer animosity on the rise in Lebanon is rather absurd. Education Minister Abbas Halabi has ordered a ban on a popular children's board game. Snakes and Ladders is being seized from summer schools because it uses rainbow colors. Halabi is fully aware that the game colors reflect what he called the natural phenomenon of a rainbow and are not really queer related. Nonetheless, he told the An-Nahar newspaper that he wanted to avoid any misunderstanding. The game is part of a project supported by the U.S. Agency for International Development. Private consensual adult same-gender sex is illegal in the Middle Eastern country, and to be proudly out there is risky at best. The crackdown on snakes and ladders comes on the heels of culture minister Wissam Mortada calling for a ban of the Barbie movie. It features trans actress Hari Neff, and Mortada says it promotes ways of life that are in violation of religion and morals. Barbie cleared the country's media regulator anyway. Lebanese General Security decided to allow screenings in local theaters with a premiere date of August 31st. Police officials in two East African countries hunted down violators of their laws against consensual adult same-gender sex this week. In Uganda, four people were arrested at a massage parlor in Buike, a town about 35 miles east of the capital city of Kampala. Two men and two women were charged with acts of homosexuality, among the first such arrests under the recently enacted Anti-Homosexuality Act 2023. Aside from lengthy prison terms, they could also get 20-year sentences for promoting homosexuality. In one of Uganda's northern neighbors, police in the Ethiopian capital of Addis Ababa raided hotels, bars, and other venues suspected of promoting or allowing same-gender sex. Private consensual adult same-gender sex is punishable by up to 15 years in prison in the civil war-torn country. Current anti-queer persecution is part of the Peace and Security Administration Bureau crackdown on institutions suspected of committing homosexual acts in the city. Tips from the public are encouraged. One tip led to the recent raid on the Adas Ababa guesthouse. 
many queer Ethiopians are fleeing the country, according to the German news outlet Deutsche Welle. State laws targeting trans young people and their families continued to face constitutional challenges in U.S. federal courts this week. On August 24th, the San Francisco-based U.S. Court of Appeals for the Ninth Circuit upheld a lower court judge's block against Idaho's law banning trans girls and women from competing in female sports in public schools and colleges. Twenty-two other Republican-controlled states have similarly banned trans girls and women from competing in female sports. Some of those only apply to public schools. Most provisions of Alabama's ban on gender-affirming health care for transgender youth will stay in force. A three-judge panel of the Atlanta-based U.S. Court of Appeals for the 11th Circuit lifted a temporary injunction. They compared the bodily autonomy issue to the Supreme Court's Dobbs decision that allowed states to eliminate a women's right to choose. They questioned whether health care for transgender youth is deeply rooted in our history and tradition and essential to our nation's scheme of ordered liberty. The challenge to the law's constitutionality continues in federal district court. Meanwhile, a federal judge has temporarily blocked enforcement of a similar trans youth health care ban in Georgia. District Judge Sarah Garrity's 83-page decision said that the law forbidding licensed medical professionals from providing hormone therapy to patients under the age of 18 is likely to be ruled unconstitutional. Her order maintains provisions of the law banning surgical intervention for transgender minors, which virtually never happens anyway. Attorneys for the plaintiffs called it an incredible victory for Georgia families. Enforcement of trans youth health care bans has also been blocked in Alabama and Florida. Temporary injunctions have been reversed on appeal in Kentucky and Tennessee. A federal court overturned Arkansas's law in June, saying it violated both free speech and equal protection guarantees of the U.S. Constitution. Legal Eagles expect most laws limiting transgender rights to wind up at the U.S. Supreme Court. Finally, the fastest woman on planet Earth is queer. U.S. sprinter Shakari Richardson won the 100-meter title at the World Athletics Championship in Budapest, Hungary on August 21st in a record-breaking 10.65 seconds. The bisexual runner has talked about her girlfriend on social media for years. This was a triumphant comeback. Richardson was banned from the Tokyo Olympics in 2022 after testing positive for THC, one of the active components of cannabis. The victory this week underscored her mantra since then. I'm not back. I'm better. That's News Wrap, global queer news with attitude for the week ending August 26, 2023. Follow the news in your area and around the world. An informed community is a strong community. News Wrap is written by Greg Gordon, edited by Lucia Chappell, produced by Brian DeShazer, and brought to you by you. Thank you. Help keep us in ears around the world at thiswayout.org where you can also read the text of this newscast and much more. For This Way Out, I'm John Dyer V. Stay healthy. And I'm Tanya Kane Perry. Stay safe. G'day, you mob. I'm Lady Gargles, one of Australia's most fabulous Aboriginal drag queens, and you're listening to This Way Out. 
Our listeners support This Way Out in many ways. By subscribing to our e-newsletter. Email us at info at thiswayout.org. And through your financial contributions to our program. More information about how you can give is online at thiswayout.org. Thank you. There's a gay spirit singing in our hearts, leading us through these troubled times. It's a gay spirit moving round this land, calling us to a time of open love. A veteran This Way Out contributor has added author to his list of credits. J.D. Doyle won awards for his work with the team that produced our long-running monthly queer music feature, Audiophile. He earned just as much acclaim as curator of the Queer Music Heritage Online Collection. We're welcoming him home to celebrate his latest endeavor. Hi, this is Brian DeShazer, and I'm with J.D. Doyle, the author of 1981, My Gay American Road Trip, A Slice of Our Pre-AIDS Culture. Welcome to This Way Out, J.D. Doyle. How are you? I'm very well. Thank you for having me. I want to talk about uh, why you wrote this book. This book is basically your diaries, your journals. What made you want to publish your journals? This is the only journal I kept was during the trip. I did this in 1981 and put it away and didn't think much about it for several decades. And I evolved into a historian. And so now I'm protective of our history. And it occurred to me, I've got this journal and I should probably do something with it because it's captured. And this is a unique capture, I think, of a certain point in time. And I just happened to have caught the time just before the AIDS crisis. So this is a last snapshot of the the candy store, if you will, and, and how free it was in 1981. Let's listen to J.D. read an excerpt, and afterwards we'll come back and talk more with the author. 1981, My Gay American Road Trip, Chapter 11, Los Angeles, Monday, May 25th, 1981. It took two hours to drive to L.A. The sky was very hazy, smog, I guess, I had a couple of hours until I was supposed to check into my hotel, so I drove around a little in Hollywood and took a few photos in Griffith Park. I took some of that hill that has the big Hollywood letters, but it was so hazy I doubt they'll come out well. The hotel I'll be at for the next week is the Coral Sands on Northwestern Avenue in Hollywood. Yes, a gay hotel, advertised in The Advocate. I got a weekly rate of about $23 per night, which seems good. The location is great, since most of the bars I've heard about are in Hollywood or West Hollywood. The neighborhood is a bit tacky. Okay, a lot tacky, but the hotel is really very nice. The rooms are fine, and the hotel has two connecting wings, two stories, that face each other over a long courtyard with pool, jacuzzi, deck chairs, and workout equipment. And it's very cruisy and totally self-contained. You would think it was a club bath. People walk up and down the walkways, cruising, and doors are left open. I was beginning to think that there were no gay hotels that really were cruising. None of the ones I stayed at up till now have been. Thursday, May 28, 1981. 
Okay, I've been in L.A. for three days now, and this is my first chance to write. Disneyland is not in Anaheim. It's along Santa Monica Boulevard in West Hollywood, also known as the Great Gay Way or Boys Town. Let's back up a little to Tuesday afternoon. Along Santa Monica, for about eight blocks around the Motherlode and Studio One are, besides several other bars, at least a dozen very trendy shops, and I hit them all. Clothing, gift cards, books, etc., I also hit my Visa card pretty hard. One of the stores was called Pleasure Chest. Once it was known as mainly a leather shop, and now it has everything. Clothing, t-shirts, cards, leather, head shop, etc. A guy I met, Michael, used to work there and says the store get lots of celebrities. Dick Van Dyke bought a $300 sling. Tony Curtis bought a gross of poppers, and Cher bought a vibrator. I have no idea if any of that is true, or just folklore. International Mail, famous for their sexy mail catalogs, has a branch there. In other clothing stores, there are many, are Sports Locker and the PX, and my soon-to-be favorite, All-American Boy. All-American Boy has one of the best selections of t-shirts I've ever seen, with printed sayings such as, This face seats five. Mustache rides five cents. Immediate seating available. Not a well woman. Free samples. Last night in town. More than a woman. But what I really want to do is direct. See me, touch me, feel me. Sometimes you feel like a nut. Sometimes you don't. Drama queen. Cheap and easy. Debutantes for human rights. So many men. So many times. Surrender Dorothy. It's not easy being easy. Etc. And yes, I obviously took notes. At All-American Boy, besides buying two shirts, I met Michael McKay a really cute clone. I repeat, really cute. We spent most of that day and the next day together. He didn't get off work until 7 p.m., so in the meantime, I went to several bars. One was called Motherlode, and it was similar to Park Place, San Diego, except without the plants. It was very nice, popular in the late afternoon for the business crowd, and also later. It's the first time I've seen a live daytime DJ. Michael says it's an S&M bar, stand-in model. It seems okay to me. Then to the Four Star Saloon, a western bar restaurant for lunch, and then to the Blue Parrot, which has kind of a tropical motif. I met Michael around seven at the Newtown Saloon. They were giving western dance lessons, which was really neat to watch. From there we went to three cruise bars, the Spike, the Eagle, and the Rusty Nail. All were good, but I liked the Nail the best. It seemed to have a friendlier crowd. Of course, it didn't hurt that Michael seems to know everybody. The DJ is a friend of his, and Michael had him play the Boys Town Gang song, Remember Me, Ain't No Mountain. Had a really good time. The next morning, we had brunch at a very nice restaurant, the French Marketplace, which has a patio overlooking the Parade of Gay Life on Santa Monica Boulevard. Very enjoyable. It's a mandatory gay tourist stop. We went to a couple record stores and shops in the afternoon, and to a park with a neat Frank Lloyd Wright building called Hollyhock House. We took a number of photos there. We also stopped at the L.A. Gay Community Services Center, which seemed quite nice and well-organized. After dinner, Michael and I and two friends, Billy and Dave, went to the Motherlode, Rusty Nail, and then to Greg's Blue Dot. Greg's on Wednesday nights has a rock and roll revival, all early to mid-60s. Very neat, and drew a packed crowd, both inside and on the patio. The patio even had a campfire, and the place had about the hottest crowd I've seen in L.A. 
They usually have a surprise guest every week, like the Shirelles or Martha Reeves. But not this Wednesday, however, drat, because they had one over the holiday weekend. And we just heard an excerpt of J.D. Doyle reading from his book, 1981, My Gay American Road Trip, here on This Way Out. I'm Brian DeShazer. Yeah, what I really enjoyed about it is that it's not a journalistic report or an academic analysis of our world and our culture at that time. It's a very personal journey from Norfolk, Virginia, down to Atlanta, across the South, through New Orleans and Baton Rouge and stops in Houston, all the way to Los Angeles and all the way back again. And how long was this trip? Uh, Four and a half months. And I didn't plan on anybody ever reading it. It was a journal. It was, for me, what I wanted to make sure I got down, because this was way out of my box, most of it. So I was being aggressive, aggressive in the way I was networking above what I was comfortable doing, but it was fine. And I was doing it by myself. Uh, that, that's really interesting. Uh, solo road trip, like on the road, Jack Kerouac style, 1981. Uh, what made you want to get on the road? I was in Norfolk, Virginia. I had moved there around 1978, came out of the closet immediately, like in a week, and got involved right away with the gay newspaper there and found that really interesting. It, it was tapping skills that I didn't know I wanted to have. So that was very cool. I eventually got, well, not eventually, it only took about a year. And I was made editor because the editor resigned. And I said, okay, I'll, I'll do this because the paper was important to all of us. So I was digesting gay life in Norfolk. I knew what cruising was, of course, by then. Uh, I had done a lot of things, but it was just in one small city. Wonderful city, but just very small. I lost my job that year in, in 1981, and I have two things people seldom have, time and money, because I sold my townhouse. My dad said, you should take a cross-country trip. I said, hmm, that's interesting. He further said, you should keep a journal, and I so I did both of those. I was networking across country. I had some goals. I knew I wanted to go to a conference in Baton Rouge. I wanted to go to a newspaper uh, organizational conference in Dallas because I was still networking for the newspaper, writing articles and sending them back. So I had certain goals. I know I wanted gay pride in San Francisco, of course. So there was like six weeks there. And what I didn't figure on was in Houston meeting a guy and falling in love. So that was an unexpected twist to the story. I, I continued meeting people and having hmm, sleepovers and however you want to think about it, learning what I could learn, reaching to newspapers. When I would get to, say, Phoenix, I'd call up the newspaper and say, hey, uh, I'm involved with Norfolk's newspaper. I'd love to see your offices. Of course, everybody welcomed me right in. And so I, I got to find out the scoop of the cities, what I should do, what I didn't need to do. Uh, like, oh, JD, there's a gay play Friday night. Maybe you can get a ticket. I did. I saw celluloid closet given in person by Vito Russo. And that was wonderful to be able to see him do that legendary presentation, which he, he gave all, all over the country. And I, I saw Armistead Maupin do a couple of readings. I met Leonard Matlovich. I met Jim Kepner. And I was just 
Haven't you were been. on the scene, JD. Yes, uh, I so was. Really, it was, an, it was an incredibly pivotal moment in 1981, sexual freedom mm -hmm. and on the road, and you taking a personal journey, having coming out of the closet. In 78, you were only out of the closet, what, three years, three years before you started? So when you go from Atlanta and you landed in Houston and you met your lover, you also met somebody else very important uh, to queer radio. And tell us about him. I met uh, I met Ray Hill, who was the iconic hmm, father of the gay movement in Houston. And that's, you can't really say it any different. He, he held that role for God since the 60s, since the mid 60s, uh, when he was in prison for a while, he got out of prison and immediately went to KPFT in Houston and became station manager. Houston, Monday, April 20th, 1981. This afternoon, I visited the radio station that airs the gay programs here in Houston, station KPFT 90.1 FM. The gay show is normally broadcast on Thursday nights, but they were having a special all-day program for a fundraiser, and they had an open house at the studio, which is just three or four blocks from the guest house at which I'm staying. Ray Hill is station manager and is also known as the father of Houston's gay movement. I did not really get to talk to him as he was very busy, but I watched him in the studio give part of a news broadcast. He is very articulate. To hear him talk on the ear, you would swear he had the copy written in front of him, and yet he did not. It was all him. The station, of course, is all volunteer, except for Ray, and as expected, they program gay news, interviews, group discussions, records, and about anything else they could think of. It seems they had their stuff together. Of course, the station does not do all gay programming, usually only one show per week. Addendum. Later, I did get to talk to Ray Hill for about an hour when he saw me at a nearby restaurant and just sat down at my table. He is very interesting. I told him he should write a book on his experiences. Talking with him is a little like interviewing him, except that he's doing all the talking. One of the things I was just thrilled with in reading your book was the images that you included in the book. It was important to me to graphically show where I was going. And what does that better than ads for the bars and or matchbooks or a poster? In the case of Denver, it was a poster. The graphics of that time really show the images, show the spirit, what was going on. I'm not sure another memoir has done it this way. I commented on music all through the trip because I was a, a disco nut and a music nut. If I heard a, a, a song I had not heard before in San Diego, I, I made note of it. I was able to turn those notes into a Spotify playlist of what I commented on during the trip. And anybody can listen to that. Find it on Spotify, J.D. Doyle playlist. Uh, but it's been really wonderful talking to you about your book, 1981, My Gay American Road Trip, A Slice of Our Pre-AIDS Culture. It's a joint publication with New Texture in Philadelphia. I want to thank you for asking me. This Way Out is like a hometown for me, so it's always special in my heart. I was involved with the show Audiophile for at least 10 years, so so I know, I know everybody there, so this is great. You've been listening to J.D. Doyle, the author of 1981, My Gay American Road Trip. For This Way Out, I'm Brian DeShazer. It's a gay spirit moving round this land, calling us to a time of open love. 
Thanks for finding This Way Out, brought to you by the nonprofit Overnight Productions. News Wrap was reported this week by John Dyer V and Tanya Kane Perry and produced by Brian DeShazer, who was also our feature correspondent. The Stylistics, the Tom Robinson Band, and Charlie Murphy performed some of the music you heard, and Kim Wilson composed and performed our theme music. This Way Out thanks John Beaupre and Richard Merck and Brad Payton of Silicon Valley. Listener donors make this program possible. Ask us for more information. Look for This Way Out Radio on social media, email us at info at thiswayout.org, or write to us at P.O. Box 1065, Los Angeles, California, 90078, USA. For coordinating producer Greg Gordon and the entire This Way Out crew, I'm Lucia Chappelle. Thanks for listening online at thiswayout.org or wherever you get your podcasts. And on CFRC Kingston, Ontario, KZAX Bellingham, Washington, WXOJ Northampton, Massachusetts, and a wide array of community terrestrial and internet radio stations around the world, including this one. Stay healthy, stay safe, and stay tuned, y'all.